This is our second podcast, and we are talking this time about Buffalo Buffalo Soldiers. This is a topic that Ian requested, so this is for Ian. The Buffalo Soldiers were African Americans who fought in U.S. military. Buffalo Soldiers participated in the Civil War, the Spanish-American War, and in the First World War. But in this podcast, I want to concentrate on their activity in the West and the Southwest United States. In May of 1863, black men who joined the military were organized as the United States Colored Troops as part of the Union Army. Then in 1866, they were reorganized into the 9th and 10th Cavalry. These were dedicated men, soldiers who fought bravely and relentlessly. They participated in the Indian campaigns in the West. In fact, they fought in more than 125 engagements in campaigns against the Cheyenne, Apache, Kiowa, Ute, Comanche, and Sioux. Buffalo soldiers patrolled the Mexican border, protected railroad workers as the railroad and telegraph lines were laid across the plains. They fought their way up San Juan Hill with the Rough Riders in the Spanish-American War of 1898, and they battled Pancho Villa in 1916. They came from various social and economic backgrounds. Most were veterans of the Civil War, and many were former slaves. They gained a reputation of being effective horsemen and skilled marksmen. The name Buffalo Soldiers seemed to have first been used in the 1871 campaign against the Comanche. The Comanche revered the buffalo as a worthy challenge, so any comparison would be complimentary. But the soldiers rarely referred to themselves as buffalo soldiers. It was the Battle of the Saline River in August 1867 that was the first recorded contest of the buffalo soldiers against the Plains Indians. This battle occurred 25 miles northwest of Fort Hayes, Kansas, near the end of August, 1867. At that time, surveyor P.S. Ashley and a crew of six men were surveying the route for the Union Pacific Railroad when they were attacked by a group of about 30 Cheyenne warriors attempting to stop construction of the iron rails through their homeland. The railroad was not only helping to kill off the buffalo, but it also threatened the Indians' traditional villages. All six workers were killed, but one man made it back to Fort Hayes to report the incident before he died. The Buffalo Soldiers of the 10th Cavalry and a number of intermen were sent to pursue the Cheyenne, up the Saline River. About 25 miles from the fort, they were surrounded by 400 Cheyenne warriors. The soldiers formed a hollow square 
around the horses and began to march back to Fort Hayes with the Indians in pursuit. The battle raged for six hours as the Buffalo soldiers fought off their attackers. They were about 10 miles from the fort when the Indians broke off the attack. Only one soldier had been killed. The Indian campaigns of the West provided the signature recognition for the 9th and 10th Cavalry. They engaged in campaigns against the nomadic Plains Indians in Kansas, New Mexico, Arizona, Texas, and the Indian Territory, which was soon to become the state of Oklahoma. In this podcast, I'm including some of the confrontations that the Buffalo soldiers had with the frontier Indians. For instance, uh, on the afternoon of December 26, 1867, near Fort Lancaster, Texas, a troop of 58 Buffalo cavalry, cavalrymen under the command of William Frohawk were attacked by a force of over 900 Indians, Mexicans, and renegade white men. The attack came from three sides at once. The battle lasted for hours, with the soldiers continually repulsing the superior force. The valor and courage of successfully staving off the attack under such overwhelming odds was another victory for the 9th Cavalry and helped to solidify their reputation as courageous and determined uh, soldiers. Another incident occurred in May of 1870 at Kickapoo Springs, Texas, where Sergeant Emanuel Stance, a Buffalo soldier who had raised through the ranks to become a sergeant, came up against a force of Kickapoo Indians at Kickapoo Springs, Texas. Stance and his Buffalo soldiers won the day. As a result of his courage and leadership, Stance received the Medal of Honor from the military. Two years previous to this incident, Stance, with 10 privates from the 9th Cavalry, had five violent encounters with Kickapoo Indians as he and his men looked for two captured children. Aggressive action by the Buffalo soldiers caused the Indians to retreat. The soldiers under Sergeant Stance were able to rescue the children who had been captured by the Indians. Then there was a conflict known as the Red River War. The 9th Cavalry was critical to the success of this long campaign against four of the Plains tribes. This was a series of military engagements fought between the U.S. Army and warriors of the Kiowa, Comanche, Southern Cheyenne, and Southern Arapaho Indian tribes. These battles were fought periodically between June 1874 and the spring of 1875. These conflicts began when the federal government failed to carry out their obligations as promised in the Medicine Lodge Treaty of 1867. This meeting of Americans and Plains Indians brought together almost 6,000 men 
Can you imagine what an astonishing spectacle? 165 wagons, 600 white men, and over 5,000 Indians, as well as over 2,000 horses and mules, all of this stretched across the plains of the Kansas Territory in October of 1867. The Americans were escorting a company of seven men, which had been appointed by Congress to put an end to the bloodshed between U.S. military and the, in and the Indian tribes of the Great Plains. The meeting was staged at the sacred site of Medicine Lodge Creek. The outcome of this occasion changed the Plains Indians' lives forever. As reservations were set up and the Indians forced to leave their way of life to be confined to designated areas as chosen by the federal government. The meeting spot for this momentous gathering was located deep in tribal hunting grounds in the Kansas Territory. And there would be three separate treaties that would make up um, what would become the most devastating treaties between the United States and the Plains Indians, partly because it ended the centuries-long tradition of a nomadic life, but in large part because it wouldn't be long before the treaty was broken by the federal government. The government delegates were met by more than 5,000 representatives of the Kiowa, Comanche, Arapaho and Kiowa Apache nations. And then two weeks later, members of the Southern Cheyenne joined this group as well. Now, at the time of this meeting, it had only been two years since the end of the Civil War, and more and more settlers were moving westward in hopes of starting anew. Also, Railroad workers were laying tracks for the Transcontinental Railroad, adding to the incursions into, tradi into traditional Indian lands. Because of this, conflicts between Native Americans and the United States erupted in pockets of violence. In 1863, military expeditions attacked an Indian encampment at Whitestone Hill, killing at least 300 men women and children. In 1864, drunken cavalrymen, cavalrymen attacked a village of Cheyenne and Arapaho in Sand Creek, Colorado, killing more than 150 women and children and mutilating their bodies. The only men in the village at the time were the old or injured, and in fact, the American flag was flying over the chief's tent. It had been given to this group um, when a tree had been signed, and they were told, the Indians were told, that by flying this flag, it would provide protection for them. But these cavalrymen, uh, in spite of that flag flying, attacked this village and did unspeakable things to the women and children. The tribes, of course, had attacked U.S. settlements as well, 
but a series of contemporary government in investigators into those incidents blamed unrestrained settlers, miners, and army personnel as the chief instigators of Indian hostility. Now, according to the Medicine Lodge treaties, rations were to be issued to the Indians who would be confined on the reservations. But those rations consistently fell short of the promised amount or didn't even appear at all. Crooked agents in charge of getting the rations to the reservations, uh, but who were selling the government-issued rations to miners or railroad, railroad workers uh, and putting the money in their own pockets. And they were not punished by the military or the government. In fact, um, white gun runners, liquor traffickers, and white outlaws from Kansas and Texas continually harassed the reservations. But they weren't stopped by the government or the military. Two federal Indian agents who did try to assist the Indians, John D. Miles and James M. Haworth, received no cooperation from either the military or the government officials in their attempts to try to assist these Indians who had been confined to reservations. Another depredation to the Plains Indians' way of life was the military's organization of buffalo hunters who were sent to wipe out the herds on the Cheyenne-Arapahoe Reservation. So with no rations and nothing left to hunt, all four tribes were in a desperate situation. Thus began what would come to be called the Red River War. The first conflict of this war occurred after a Comanche medicine man called for a sun dance in which warriors would perform acts of sacrifice to bring spiritual powers to enhance their ability to bring about good for their people. At this ritual meeting, the medicine man, Isatai, and a young war leader of the Quahati Band of Comanches, Kwana Parker, recruited warriors for raids into the Panhandle of Texas. The Buffalo soldiers participated in many of the battles in what was called the Red River War. The first battle was a day-long running battle across the rugged canyon lands north and south of the Red River. The army numbered about 650 soldiers and they had two Gatling guns, but the Indians held them off long enough for their families to escape up Tule Canyon and across the Staked Plains. The second battle at Adobe Walls, June 27, 1874, occurred when a war party of 700 Comanche, Kiowa, Cheyenne, and Arapahoe warriors attacked the Buffalo Hunters Camp on the Canadian River. In the first skirmish, three whites were killed and about seven Indians. The other battles I have just listed here, um, I won't go into detail about them. Uh, there was the Battle of the Red River, August the 30th, Lyman's Wagon Train, September 9th through the 12th, 12th 
the Buffalo Wallow fight, also on September 12th, and the Battle of Sweetwater Creek, September 12th. The Palo Duro Canyon Battle, September 28th. Farnsworth Engagement, November 6th, and the Battle of McClellan Creek, November the 8th. During this war, the Red River War of 1874, as many as 20 different engagements between the U.S. Army and Buffalo soldiers in the 9th and 10th Cavalry and the Southern Plains Indians took place across the Texas Panhandle region. The well-equipped Army were able to keep the Indians on the run until eventually they could not run or fight any longer. The war ended officially in June 1875 when Quanah Parker and his band of Quahati Comanche entered Fort Sill and surrendered. The Red River War characterized by supply problems on both sides was an important event in Texas and South Plains history. It saw the virtual extinction of the southern herd of buffalo, was the final subjugation of the powerful Comanche, Kiowa, and Southern Cheyenne Indians, and consequently the opening of the Texas Panhandle to white settlement. The advent of the ranching era followed swiftly after. White Sands, New Mexico was the site of one of the last fierce fights between the Buffalo Soldiers and the Chiricahua Apaches under the leadership of War Chief Victorio. The U.S. Army viewed this war chief as an accomplished tactician and a great leader of men. Between 1877 and 1880, Victorio led his band of several hundred Apaches in raiding between Fort Davis and El Paso and occasionally into Mexico. Buffalo soldiers as well as Texas Rangers were periodically involved in trying to end the raids and to capture Victorio. On April the 6th, 1880, two companies of Buffalo soldiers of the 9th Cavalry approached Victorio's camp, but were ambushed by about 150 Apache warriors. Pinned down, the soldiers lost two of their men that held off the warriors until reinforcements, which included two additional companies of Buffalo soldiers, could come to their aid. Victoria was finally killed later in 1880. This battle at White Sands was the largest Apache cavalry battle of the Victoria War. This engagement also represented the single largest direct confrontation of U.S. troops with the Victoria-led Apaches. The battlefield is known as the Hembrillo Battlefield. It is uh, one hour north of El Paso. This was the last major stand of the Apache in their homeland and the last battle of the Buffalo Soldiers in the West. More information on this topic can be found at uh, three excellent online sites. That is the Buffalo Soldiers-AMWest.org, 
also tshaonline.org and texasbeyondhistory.net. Those are three really good sources for uh, history of the Buffalo Soldiers. Thank you for listening. Our next podcast will be for Brian. We're going to talk about uh, the Renaissance. Thank you for listening.